You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 312 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. What's happening in Gina world? You're still oh, in lockdown in Melbourne. It's been extended. I think um, I think we're uh, going to be one of those cities that have the longest lockdowns in the world. Which, that's our claim to fame. So <laughs> I think we were supposed to come out this Sunday, but they've extended it another two weeks and then there's this whole roadmap uh, that it goes a bit longer. So in the stages of grief, Val, I figure that um, I'm now in acceptance and I think it's a good place to be because I can sit here and go, I wish it wasn't this way. I want it to be different, but that's not going to do anything. So I may as well be in acceptance and I'm going to make the most of it. And I have been, and it's like, you know, I, it's lovely that in the middle of the day I can go out on my deck and sunbake because it's been like 23 degrees today uh, Celsius and blue skies. So it's beautiful to um, lie in the sun. And I've been learning new stuff and I've been, you know, cooking slow-cooked meals and, you know, look, I'm making the best of it. And, uh, you know, I think this place acceptance I'm in a positive place and we will come out of this things will be better again and there is really nothing constructive comes of complaining so I'm not going to I'm just going to do like do more read I've been reading great books I've watched not like I'm not going to say great movies but I think (laughs) one of the benefits of the fact that I think Netflix has um burn through all their back catalogue is all the really crappy movies that probably shouldn't be on there are on there and that is my personal happy place where you see, you know, you discover actors it's like they do these movies and go, wow, that probably shouldn't have been made but anyway, I'm enjoying it. It's like eating. It's it's my comfort food. It's like okay. I love eating on those. They're so, so bad that they're so forgettable that I can't even remember the names of these movies. <laughs> and so that's what I've been doing, entertaining myself. What about you? Well, I think that um, I've just been, you know, uh, locking down in sympathy with you. So even though <laughs> I'm in Sydney and we're not in lockdown really, Um don't go uh, I just don't go anywhere because it's got so used to lockdown <laughs> 1.0. <laughs> I just adapted straight away and I, you know, hardly leave that leave the house. Like I bought a new monitor so I yeah. can, you know, it's, it's great. You get a whiz bang monitor. monitor. Yeah. You get a really like, what, what is it? Oh, it's a Dell something, sex. something, something fancy. And mm. then. Um, 
Yeah, and so I've been uh, shopping online. I've been doing online courses. I've been um, even doing some uh, like exercise classes online. So, yeah, it's been – I've just kind of adapted to being at home. I think so. the the secret to happiness, for my happiness, is when I'm learning new stuff, mm. it mm. just is my happy place and I lose hours and hours and hours and it's so satisfying. And something that um, we've been doing with the gold members, uh, you know, is that, that they've been bringing up where it's like, oh, I needed to learn this thing. It was challenging at first, but then I went back and you developed that resilience to go, you push through that resistance because whenever you learn something new, and this is for everything, whether it's, you know, you want to try and build something, even like putting together an Ikea cabinet, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a point in the exercise where you go, oh, this looks so complicated. And you can either go one of two ways and go, I don't want to do it. Or you just go, no, hang on, let me just sit and reread these instructions and do it again. And then you push through. And honestly, the the buzz that I get, the high when I work something out mm. and am successful and learn something new, so that stays with me forever. And it, it's just like, you know, having something to do, someone to love, that's the secret of happiness, you know? And so that's that's it. That's that's where I'm at in my head at the moment, Belle. And you've also been busy with the gold community? Yeah, yeah. So um, big hello to all the new gold members that have come on board. Um, fantastic to see you guys here. And we've been um, working with people that, like all different skill levels and genres, Val. And so we're working yeah. on the, like a lot of them are getting out and really uh, facing their fears. And I, I know a lot of people are, are, are have a fear around, you know, the working with strangers, approaching a stranger and photographing some. We've been working with... Uh, lots of people who are pushing through those fears and starting their own stranger po- uh, projects, and the the shots that are coming back are just fantastic. And so, and then, and then, as a result of that, then getting other paid gigs because they've approached these strangers and done these things. So it's you know, when you have a go, you never know where that's going to lead you. And then yeah. when working with lighting products and perfecting the headshot lighting and it's thing. The things with the tutorials, Val, is there and, and one of the members commented it about how the, the, my, the pacing of my tu- tutorials is so in-depth because I personally need things explained in, in such a way that's very visual because we've talked about this, you know, my understanding of things is so literal. I, I need pictures with the words. <laughs> That helped me. And so that's how I teach. It's like it's like everyone learns at their own pace. I teach at that pace, you know, so I make sure that I over explain everything and it's nicely paced. And so, you know, that covers everything from lighting, posing, directing, Photoshop, you know, and so we've got everyone from beginners to, um, you know, working professionals in there. So that to me is also, I talked about my happy place being me learning new stuff and having things to do, but teaching for me is such an absolute joy. I I love every minute of it, Val. Mm. And of course, if you want to find out how you can be taught uh, and mentored by Gina in the Gold community, have a listen to this. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold community. I love working with members of my gold community. It's incredible to see them grow and develop as photographers. 
Here's what Kim Partridge had to say. So I joined, I think, last July time after listening to the podcast for a little while and absolutely fantastic. I've been in there on a couple of occasions when I've been really stressed or I've had problems on a shoot and not only have I had fantastic encouragement from other members um, but also like spot on advice quickly when needed from from Gina. So yeah, it's it's been a fantastic experience. How have you changed in terms of how you are as a photographer when you first came in to today? Just immensely. Um, I mean, when you look, if I look at my shots personally from from day one, and then look at how I'm shooting now, and just the way I'm taking my time more, composing differently, uh, using so many different tools that you've taught me over the course of this week is yeah, incomparable. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's move on to this week's topic, which is a complete guide to buying and working with camera lenses. Now, this mm-hmm. is a great topic, Gina, because there are so many different types of camera lenses. And when, especially when you're a relative newbie, you honestly don't know whether you should be getting a 35 or a 50 or a 24 to 70 or a, you know, whatever to a hundred or 200. It's, there's so many options and half the time you only have a vague idea of, Mm. of what they do. So yeah, this is great. Where do we start with this one? Yeah, it's it's completely overwhelming, and it's like I, I I kind of compare it to like you know when you went and bought your can you remember buying your first car and did you take someone with you who had a clue or did you just try and bluff or did you do research beforehand? But you know, right? But 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 even then, you know, a, a slick a car salesman's going to you know sell you the the paint finish that you don't really need and all the extra and you and you walk out of there and you just realize you got screwed and you didn't and you didn't really get what you needed you got what you thought you wanted you know and so the the i've been doing a, a series of these complete guides because i think that information is power and often you know we think we're this is like a bit overwhelming all the information that's on a lens and all the different types of lenses and you know you walk into a camera store and you'll walk out and you've spent like more money than you wanted to but then that what you end up with is not what you should have got in the first place so knowing what exactly the different lenses do the different types of lenses you can then make a an educated guess about the, what the best lens for you is going to be now um in this uh particular podcast I'm going to talk about like you'll have all the information so then you can go and invest with confidence and decide which lens you'll need and the best choice for every situation when you're shooting so you'll know what to pull out oh right this is the lens that I need to pull out and then you'll know um, all the pluses and minuses of each different types of lens and their limitations which is um, uh, really important so um there, there's spending all the extra dollars on lenses is not going to necessarily make you a, a great photographer. We've talked about this or buying the flashy camera, you know. Yeah. So to start with, and, and I've talked about this a lot, if you have, 
You want to make the best investment you want to make in your photography that make you a better photographer is not the gear, it's the education and the experience. It's actually learning about photography and then doing the work to, you know, practice all those drills that we teach in this podcast. So go out and learn and keep repeating this, but, um, and, and know that the better camera and the better lens won't make you a better photographer. But there are things that you should know about lenses that are really going to help you. And so that, that's what this is all about. So mm-hmm. start with Val. First question, should yeah. you spend more money on the camera body or the lenses? Oh, goodness. Is yeah. that a trick question? Well, it's just like, what do you think? Well, I guess that the body, it's probably more on the lens. Is that right? It's correct. So (laughs) let's just say you have a surname of Getty or Rockefeller or Bezos and and (laughs) say, like, money's not a problem, then Mm -hmm. knock yourself out. Go buy top-of-the-line gold-plated with diamond studs, all right? Go buy every lens, every high-end lens you need, knock yourself out. But If you didn't win the billionaire lottery and you're budgeting, um, here are my suggestions for upgrading your gear. Mm -hmm. A good camera with a crap lens equals crap photos. And I'm not talking about like how they look. It's like in in terms of like the sharpness and and everything because the lens is very important. But if you've got a bad camera and a good lens – you can still take good quality photos. So your camera is only as good as the lens that's attached to it. So I recommend if you're just starting out and you don't have a camera yet, um, I would start with an entry-level camera, right, Mm -hmm. and then I would actually buy higher-end pro lenses to go with that. So And I also recommend that when you're starting out, don't buy new, buy used. So what you can do, and we did this with your um, camera, Val, is I said instead of getting a a brand-new entry-level camera, take that same money and you can get a used pro-level camera, and that's what you did. So that's what I recommend, buy used because there are people that are just – gear whores and they just love buying gear all the time (laughs) i just made that up but that's what they do is they just every couple of years they're dentists and things like that hello to all the dentists that are listening it's like called dentist jewelry high-end lenses and cameras and they just like that's their hobby they buy these and then the next one comes out and you know they're a camera manufacturer's dream because it's like they advertise you need this great camera and they go yes i need this great camera and then they buy it and then they buy the next one and they sell the old one so there is you can save a lot of money um by going down the used um route when you're starting out and uh learn like when you buy your first car buy a used car don't buy a new car make all the mistakes on the used car knock it around and then as you get to drive a bit better and and you want the better driving experience then maybe upgrade and get a better car same with the camera so the current uh lens that I have, which was a 70 to 200 lens, I bought it in 2015, Val, Mm -hmm. all right? Since I've had that lens, I've upgraded two camera bodies, right? But I've still kept the lens. And uh, prior to that, that 70 to 200, I had it for 10 years, 
all right? And that went through about four different camera bodies. So the 85mm 1.2, which is not a cheap camera, but I've had it for 12 years, Mm. right? So I keep my lenses for a very long time because nothing really changes on the lens itself. So it's all about the glass. So with lenses, buy once buy well and spend more money on the lens, all right? So the lens you choose, uh, it's going to define your style because you'll find that you keep gravitating towards a certain focal lens. It just is um, you feel comfortable. So you want to choose the right lens for the job because that helps tell the story. And I think understanding what your lens is doing uh, helps you uh, when you're working with the camera and the lens so that you know what its limitations are and what you need to do to absolutely nail the shot. So, that let's talk about what that lens actually does. So, right. you know, now I could get really technical, but you know that me, science, <laughs> eh. <laughs> so, so I kind of uh, I'm going to explain it uh, quite simply. So, the, the, all that the the camera lens um, allows you to control the amount of light that is hitting yeah. the camera sensor. So, if you put it really si- simply, a DSLR lens, it's uh, if we were to um, cut one in half down the middle, right? You'd notice that there'd be a whole series of uh, bits of glass that are convex and concave. Now, the I think concave goes in, convex goes out, right? So, con- so. yeah, uh, and so and that, uh, the reason I say concave goes in is I think of a cave. You go into a cave. That's how I. <laughs> that's how I know the difference, right? <laughs> um, and so. Basically, what happens is that all these little bits of glass, see see how techy this is? <laughs> uh, their job is to bend the little light beams that go through and uh, there's this whole little clever series of events that happens as these uh, light beam travel through the lens and then they hit the, lenser, le- uh, the sensor and it creates an image, all right? And what you're going to have is on the cheaper lenses, you're going to have a cheaper quality of glass. So there might be some uh, impurities or it's just not 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 as nice and different coatings and uh, different number of elements and um, a different size of glass. So that's what makes up the raw material and also what goes on the exterior. You might have weather seals on the more expensive uh, lenses and the cheaper lenses won't. So if you go out in the rain with a cheaper lens, then uh, chances are it'll cack itself. Um, And so basically, uh, if you're using uh, the cheaper lenses with inferior materials, you'll pay less and you'll get like a, you know, less quality. So it's just like, you know, when you go order ice cream, you can get the, the, you know, the Neapolitan, which is like $1.50 for two litres. Or you can get the organic ice cream, right? The yeah. difference is like worlds apart, isn't it? Like you feel better after you have the organic one, the the Neapolitan one. No one it, it has the strawberry. Or is this going to be right. like, in my opinion, like the plain? Oh, oh, I'm the only one who liked plain Pringles. Everyone, without exception, was said that salt and vinegar were better. And so it's like, okay, I'm the freak here. Do you have Neapolitan right, so, in other countries? Anyway, do you, if, if, if you don't, listeners, if, if let you're us not know sure. in the Facebook group. Yeah, if you're not so sure, Neapolitan 
in Australia is where you get in one tub three flavours. You get vanilla, you get chocolate and you get strawberry. Well, just pink ice cream really. Um, and, uh, yeah, absolutely, only the chocolate and vanilla ever get eaten. No one eats the strawberry. And so if you like strawberry ice cream, let us know. <laughs> All right. So let's break down what the mechanics of a camera lens do. And then have you ever wondered when you look at the lens, you've got all those numbers around the front of the lens and around the side. What what do they all mean? And, and so this is like knowing what they mean, and it's really simple, means that you can um, at a glance look at a lens and tell if it's high end or if it's, uh, you know, what all the bells and whistles are. And I think it's important when you're, you know, deciding on what lens to buy. And so to start with, let's just break down what um, uh, an SLR or a DSLR lens stands for. So DSLR stands for Digital Single Lens Reflex. There you go. I don't think we've ever even mentioned that on the show. And so in the show notes, if you go to ginamilitia.com and click on the podcast section and go to episode 312, there I've got a little diagram again, got my crayons out, and I've got a lens there, and um, I've just labelled what all those little numbers oh, on yeah, the Oh, yeah, really handy. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Okay, so basically um, down the bottom of the lens, you'll have a little circle with a line through it. Do you know what that's called, Val? It's probably got a term. That the little circle, with circle with a line. A, yeah. No. So it's like an O with a line through it. Where? <laughs> I'm sure. So if you look at uh, filter size, oh, the image, what's okay. that O with it? Yeah. It's yeah. upside down. <clears throat> anyway, you've got like an <laughs> O with a line down the middle, and then you'll have a number and then millimeters. So that's basically uh, the uh, filter size of your lens so that's not the focal length but it's actually if you use filters on your lens like some people use ND filters and warming filters and things like that that's the or adapters that you want to screw onto the end of the lens or you need to get a new lens cap that's how you know what size to buy so it's clearly stated on your lens so if anyone says what what size uh, filter do you need you know that, that that's where you look. So uh, on the 24 to 105, I know that I need a filter size of 77 millimetres. That's the size of my lens, all right? right? On the very outside of the lens, you've got a thread. That's the filter thread. That's where you screw filters in if you're ever going to. Some people put UV filters on the outside of the lenses to protect them, and other people use variable density filters. That's the thread. That's what that is. Now, um, Along the sides, you'll you'll have also uh, it'll say either Canon or Nikon or Sony, and it'll tell you whether it's a, a zoom lens or just a normal lens. So I've got the 24 to 105 as an example, and it says Canon zoom lens. So we know that it's a Canon zoom lens, and we know that um, <clears throat> you want to match the lens the brand of the lens to the brand of the camera. So it's very hard to go if you've got a Nikon camera to put a Canon lens on it. You can, there's adapters, but they don't work very well. They don't talk to each other properly. All right, so you want to always match the brand that you have of camera with the its own brand of lens. And I'll also talk about third-party lenses later in this episode, but that's that. 
Next to that, you're going also, to have... Also, I'll just add that I think the O with a line through it is the Greek word, letter for P-H-I, phi. There you go, Val. <laughs> okay, you. so it's some sort of science speak, basically. <laughs> Probably. Um, next to that, you'll have... Um, a number in millimetres. So I've got a 24 to 105 millimetre lens. That's the focal length range. So if it's a, um, a prime lens, fixed lens, then it'll only be one number there. So it might say 24 or 50 or 85, but I've got 24 to 105. So I know that my that zoom lens goes from the widest of 24 millimetres all the way to 105. So that's clearly written on the front. Next to that, you've got a number one and then two dots and then you'll have another number. That's the maximum aperture. So in this case, it is uh, f4. So I've got one, two dots and then four. I know that the maximum aperture of my lens is f4. And if you've got a faster lens, one that opens wider, it'll say 2.8 or 1.2 or f4 or f5.6. So that tells you that. And then the next spot you'll have that something that says uh, like IS, which in Canon terms is image stabilisation, and we'll talk about that, But there, uh, or it'll be if it's a Sigma lens, their stabilisation is OS or Tamron VC and Nikon VR. So that's stated there. So if it has that little symbol next to the number that you know that that lens has built-in image stabilisation, and then you're going to have another series of letters that will be, in the case of Canon, uh, it says USM. And what does that stand for? Um, ultrasonic motor. And that's the, 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 the motor of the, the focusing of that actual lens. And you won't actually notice or hear this until you use that lens to record um, video. And you can definitely hear it uh, if you're just using uh, the camera audio. You can hear that the autofocus. You can actually hear it cranking in and out. So there's USM. Sigma, call it HSM, hypersonic motor, Tamron, ultra silent drive. So you can get... Um, some lenses, so this is like if you want to sound really smart when you go to the camera shop, you go, oh, is this, it's an ultrasonic motor, the USM. Have you got a quieter lens? <laughs> there are lenses that are designed for, um, you know, it's like when you go buy the cars of V8 or a V6, mate, fully sick. You know, th there are lenses that are, are designed to be a lot quieter than, than that and that the people use uh, specifically for filming. So that's what that USM stands for. So I just always wondered that. Okay, so now let's get into uh, understanding the different types of lenses and the focal length. So we know that... Um, You've got cameras, lenses come in all different shapes and sizes, and they're designed for all different scenarios, but they're basically broken down into different kinds of lenses. So first up, we've got 
zoom lenses. And so zoom lenses are where you've got like, it's like having like lots of lenses all in one. So you can have, uh, like I just described the 24 to 105. So basically it goes from a focal length of 24, which is very wide, and it zooms all the way to 105, which is very long. So it covers all these different scenarios. So I don't need to keep, that's my walk around lens. It's my favorite lens. And I don't need to keep um, swapping out lenses so I can shoot something very wide and then I can zoom in if I want to do a character portrait I can have the whole scene in the background and a full length shot and then without moving my feet I can zoom in and get a three-quarter shot or an even tighter shot of the person so that's why um, I love working with zooms and it's fantastic for portraits I can set up my shot create full length, three quarter tight, and I don't have to move or change my lenses. The other thing I like about uh, working with zoom lenses, Val, and longer zoom lenses is uh, when I'm working on a longer focal length, I stay out of the model's personal space. Um, because, you know, you think about it, if you're shooting on a shorter lens, you need to be a lot closer to the model to fill the frame and you're practically on top of them, which can be a bit confronting and intimidating for some people. So, um, I like working long with longer zoom so I can stay out of people's space and you can get, it feels uh, a lot more intimate um, and you can capture those shots and and then people kind of forget you're even there because you're so far back. Uh, And so that's my favorite, like with a zoom somewhere between 100 and 200. And so what happens with a zoom is it like it'll compress Uh, everything so everything that's far away looks like it's a lot closer so if you've got someone standing in front of mountains uh, it'll seem like the mountains are a lot closer when you're using a zoom lens so um, that's the the pros of that the cons of having a zoom lens is you've got like because you've got three or four lenses kind of packed into one lens they're a lot heavier and um not always great for working in tight spaces. And the other thing is when you've got a zoom lens bolted to your camera, it's quite conspicuous. Like it's obvious that you're out there with a long lens. You look like a photographer. So if you don't want to stand out, then then like you're trying to do street photography, it's probably not the right lens. The other thing that uh, doesn't get talked about a lot, but it's a, a real issue is the that when you're zooming in and out, what you're actually doing is you're sucking dust onto your camera sensor. So you end up getting a lot more dust on your sensor. So you might need to clean your sensor a bit more. And because it's several lenses in one, they're going to be a bit more expensive. All right. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the other one you've got is your prime lenses. So what is fantastic about prime lenses is they're uh, a lot sharper, they're a lot faster, they're cheaper, and they're much lighter because it's one focal length. So if it's 24 millimetres, that's all it is, 24 millimetres. And if you want to get closer, then you have to use your feet. You have to physically walk closer to the subject. Mm-hmm. All right. So a lot of people love uh, primes. I, I love my 35 mil prime. I think it's a fantastic lens. And... Um, it teaches you to actually fill the frame by using your feet. And a lot of photographers recommend that when you're starting out, 
rather than using a Zoom, which can be quite kind of a, uh, a lazy way, they believe, of shooting. Uh, it's better to start with a fixed lens, something like a 24 or a 35 or a 50, and then fill the frame by walking around and getting closer and getting riding closer to your subject. And that can actually feel a lot more intimate than using a Zoom. And I've used both and I like both. So um, I'm on the fence about that. There's certain people that swear by the, the using the fixed lens, fixed focal length, and there's others that like using having the uh, the luxury of having the, the zoom. I think for commercial photography, definitely a zoom uh, has helped me get more bang for my client's buck by being able to shoot lots and lots without having to change lenses. But definitely for street photography, I really think that I, I do love like working with that 35 millimeter focal length, fixed lens and going right up and being in in people. And that's tested my sort of uh, um, idea of shooting and getting right up close. And, and, and I'm, I'm really starting to enjoy that as well. All right. So <clears throat> the next kind of lenses you've got are telephoto lenses. So uh, they've got larger focal lengths and they extra magnification so you got something like 100 to 400 and there was a fantastic um shot shared in the so you want to be a photographer facebook group where someone used 100 to 400 millimeter lens to photograph the moon so i'd shared an image where uh, a photographer had done like hundreds of images uh of of the moon and and um stitched them all together to get this beautifully detailed shot and then one of the members and i'm sorry that i don't remember your name but it was a great shot it stayed with me um shared a a shot taken with 100 to 400 of the moon so it's beautiful so if you want to take shots of things that are far away like you know you can't really if you uh in in africa and you see like gorillas you're not going to just walk right up to them, are you, and go, Dave, Steve, I'm going to take a photo, I'm going to straddle you and get right up close to get that portrait, you know, or, or lions. or It's kind of risky, isn't it, when you're doing wildlife? And you and also, like, if you've got your footy team out, like, so you're going to watch, you know, your, your kids or, or friends play sport and suddenly you're out there on the field <laughs> trying to get close up with your lens, it's not going to work because you'll probably get cleaned up by the uh, the other players or you'll get eaten by a lion. So that's where something like a telephoto lens comes in really handy. So something like the 100, 100 to 400, you can be back in, in relative safety and then let the, the zoom, the telephoto lens do all the work for you. Mm -hmm. uh, the other style of lenses you've got are wide-angle lenses and so you've got the uh, – I've got the 16 to 35 in the Canon and there's like even smaller, you can get 10 to 22, like wide, super, super wide angle lens. So what that they've got is um, you, you get like the entire – wide perspective of the scene so if you're a landscape photographer and you, you see those images where the sky looks epic and the scenery looks epic and you've got this sweeping sort of vista 
they're done with ultra wide lenses and so um, fantastic if you're shooting in tight spaces also absolutely necessary if you're shooting um, things like interior photography or architecture photography and some photographers love the look of wide angle lenses for portraits because it gives you a really sort of a really distinctive look so you can have your um your 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 model um in the frame and then you also get like a dramatic vista behind them and if you push in really tight with a wide angle lens uh you get like a, a fair bit of distortion like you'll see whatever's closest appears bigger and whatever's further away looks smaller so um that's that's the look of a wide angle lens so um great for landscape architecture interior photography all right Next up, Val, macro lenses. Yes. So this is when you want to photograph uh, tiny little things and you want to get in really tight. So like, you know, say you're photographing jewellery and we talked about that in the product show a couple of episodes ago. You might want to photograph bugs or flowers, anything that you want to have um, capture in extreme detail. You need a macro lens and what the macro lens has going for it is it allows you to focus very, very close to something, whereas normal lenses uh, don't allow you to get as close. So the macro lens, the way they're designed, um, allows you to get super, super close. So you can get in close and, um, you know, direct a little spider to, yeah, hold it there, baby spider. Okay, look at me. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> Do you know I've got bats at the moment flying over my house? Okay. Bats. Like, you know how they shut down the set of Batman? Um, Did which they? They, had, they were filming, yeah, they had to shut down the set. Um mm-hmm. They've all come here. They're flying around. There's, <laughs> it's about, it's about five or six of them, and they talk to each other all night, and it's like they repeat the same things. It's like, Dave, 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 Dave. It sounds like the same thing. I'm trying to work out bat language. But anyway, and they're amazing because you just see the bat symbol flying over the sky. There's about five or six. It's a quite it's quite a lovely family. Anyway, mm-hmm. to add it to all the, uh, the other members of the menagerie that are here. All right, so. We've covered um, the macro lenses. Now, I want to talk about focal length, all right, so what focal length means and how it works. So we've talked about that every lens has a specific focal length, so that's basically the uh, magnification factor, right? And so, and it's measured in millimetres and it'll be displayed on the lens itself. So I talked about when we... I busted out my crayons earlier in the show. It'll tell you on the lens what the uh, focal length of your lens is. So, but what does that mean? What does that actually do? All right. So when you've got a longer focal length, it basically that just means that it's magnifying that that lens more so it's like it's bringing whatever is in front of the lens closer to you and the shorter the focal length um, the less magnification you're going to be so if you've got uh, something like say a 24 or a 35 it's it's going to um, show more of the scene but it's not going to magnify it as much so The other thing that you want to be um, aware of is the focal length of the lens changes the angle of view. And in order to um, 
To demonstrate this, I created another diagram and it shows the difference in the angle of view and with depending on the lens that you use. And this is really important. And, um, you know, the, the reason, like, so you can see that in color that I've got each different lens and what it's actually seeing when you've, you're standing there and you've got that lens on the camera. So if you've got like, say, a 24 millimeter lens, it gives you an 84 degree angle of view. So you get to see when you put that lens on the camera and you stand in front of like a scene, it'll show off everything in that scene. And as you use a longer and longer lens, the angle of view that you're seeing becomes narrower and narrower and narrower. And I'll give you an example of why this is important to know. So let's say I want to do a photo of you, Val, and all yeah. we've got is um, an alleyway okay. to shoot in. And yeah. I love, uh, like, okay, I'll tell you where exactly where I'm going to photograph you. And I had a okay. go, but it was raining. So I really want to go back and have another go at this spot. There is an alleyway in Sydney where – it's there's restaurants there and above like someone has hung all these uh, bird cages what's it oh, called yes, it's an angel place angel place i love that spot right mm -hmm. so that's fantastic so i'd have you there in the middle and you've got all those beautiful bird cages above you but and i love that whole scene but what i don't like is that either side of the alleyway it's been night it's rubbish. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is all actually. The yeah, <laughs> I all mean, the restaurants in that alley. Yeah, all the restaurants have got all their bins lined up mm. outside, and they're the bright yellow ones. It's recycle night, so all okay. the bright fluorescent yellow bins lining one wall, and then on the other side there is a um, uh, a dance parade group, and they all happen to be in fluoro pink tracksuits. Well, possibly because City Recital yeah. Hall, the entrance is there, so they could be a performance troupe about yeah. to go to that yeah, hall. So, yeah. so they're lined up ready to go in the hall. And, and so if I was to get out my 24-millimeter lens, A, when I line that lens up to take a photo of you, it's going to capture – all the girls in their fluoro pink tracksuits lined up to go in, all the fluoro yellow rubbish bins on the other side of the alleyway, you will be tiny in the frame because it's a 24 millimeter uh, focal length. And so I'm seeing everything. And then the bird cages look like they're miles away, the ones yes. that are above your head. So suddenly this shot goes in my in my mind's eye I'm thinking something spectacular and when I put the 24 millimeter lens on it just looks shite there's too much in the frame it's right. overwhelming mm. but if I take that same stay stand there in the same shot and put on my 70 to 200 millimeter lens and I zoom all the way out to 200 I'm going to have to back up a bit I step up a bit. suddenly you look, and I'm, I'm shooting at a slightly lower angle because I've got the long zoom lens, I've made you suddenly the hero of the frame. You dominate that shot and you fill the frame. The bird cages that are above you have also, because I'm using that long zoom, um, they've come, they look like they're a lot closer. And because they are quite high up. They are quite high up, but I've now brought them closer yeah. with the magic of the 200-millimeter lens. Mm -hmm. And because I'm shooting with a 200-millimeter lens, my angle of view is only 12 degrees. So it's a very narrow section of the frame that I'm seeing. 
it cuts out all the girls in the the pink outfits and it cuts out all the bins. So that's why knowing what leans to do. So if you're ever stuck and knowing this, and we cover this in the um, headshot course, and I talk about like, you know, when you know what what your lens is capable of, you can then scout locations knowing that you only need a very narrow section when you're shooting on a longer lens and you don't worry about what's on either side of the frame. And it's often confusing for clients because, you know, you'll be, uh, you know, we, we did one outside uh, the women's bathroom and I said, I found the spot and it's like, everyone's looking at me like I'm gone insane again. They're like, yeah, there's ugly signs all around. And it's like that this side of the wall looks terrible. And I'm like, I know, but I'm using my long lens and it's only going to capture a small section. So this is the advantage of knowing what your lens is capable of. So if you go to the show notes, you can see what you're actually seeing and what the angle of view is. And the flip side of that, Val, is say that I wanted to take a, a character portrait of you in your painting studio I wouldn't use my 200 millimeter lens because it would be you and maybe a little bit of the wall. But because part of telling the story is showing you with all the paintings in the background, I want to see the easel in the front, I want to see the palette with all the paints, I want to see all of it, right? So I would shoot a much wider lens to capture that that sort of shot. Does that make sense? Because it's got a bigger angle of you, okay? All right. Now, something that's kind of a bit confusing when you're working with lenses is a crop factor. So um, a lot of entry-level cameras have a smaller uh, sensor than the full-sized pro cameras. And so when you think about it, like if you look at the camera phone, the actual um, sensor on that, it's like the size of a Tic Tac and an entry-level SLR sensor is maybe the size of a postage stamp, so that's called a, a crop sensor. And then a pro-level camera takes after the old 35-millimeter cameras, and that's the size of a 35-millimeter um, film strip. And so what the camera manufacturers do is they create entry-level cameras with entry-level lenses that suit these crop smaller sensors. So the... Um, Cheaper lenses uh, to suit crop frame sensors are a lot smaller and narrower. They don't have as much glass in, and so they can be manufactured a lot cheaper. So the way you know if you've got a crop frame lens versus if you've got a full frame lens is like the Canon range, the lenses say um, EF and then dash S, and that's a crop frame sensor. And for Nikon, uh, the crop frame sensor uh, camera lenses have got a little DX on them. So that's how you tell. And also the other way to know is they're often smaller, narrower, and lighter. So that's how you can tell the difference because the the le- the actual size of the lens, like if you look at the if you look through the lens, you take off the back cap and the 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 lens cap, and you look through the actual opening, the aperture of the lens needs to be as wide as uh, the actual sensor of the camera because that's what's recording the actual image. So if we understand that it's the job of the lens, what it does is it projects an image onto the sensor, all right, and we know that sensors come in different sizes. So 
when you use if you upgrade if you've got a an entry level camera and then you use a full frame um, lens full frame sensor lens on that camera what you're doing is you're changing the size of the image being recorded so i've got another um uh, example here in the show notes where i've got a crop uh, frame camera which is the the canon 77d right and you can see the difference uh in the actual sensor size so the the entry level camera the sensor is like half the size of the full frame uh, sensor of the professional um grade camera so that's what you're paying for when you're paying the big bucks for the high-end camera it's that size of the sensor now what happens is if i um say i was uh, i've got uh satiris standing in front of a cafe in melbourne now yes. <clears throat> when i shoot the image using my 5d mark IV and uh say a uh 24 millimeter lens i get the uh Satiris in the middle, the entire um, side of the building and the entire front facade of the building using that camera. Now, if I was to swap cameras, keep the same lens and stay in the same spot and then get the, um, the Canon entry level with the crop frame sensor, put the same lens on, what happens is uh, the 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 sensor is lot, a lot smaller and so what's happening is the lens um, crops in and you're only and it, I lose the entire edge of the frame and the 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 camera crops the image and so that's the issue when you're using a full frame lens with a crop frame sensor you're going to crop into your image or the reach is a lot longer does that make sense yeah so, so you have to be careful and be aware of that and so what you want to know is like and i've said buy better lenses buy buy higher end lenses buy entry level camera but be aware that there is going to be this um crop factor that you need to factor in so if you are a lover of very wide angle lenses then make sure that if you've got the crop sensor that you buy extra extra wide uh lenses so that it it, it will um allow for this crop factor so i've listed uh, all of that in uh the show notes the difference is like say if you had uh, an 18 millimeter lens on a 1.5 crop turns out to be uh, look like a 20 set has the reach of a 27 millimeter lens it can get confusing and like off on, honestly if you go online there's like millions of arguments about it so i'm gonna leave it there but just be aware it will change how your image looks basically and the other way around if you took a lens that was designed for a crop frame camera and you put that on a full frame lens because that lens is a lot narrower, you're going to end up with an image that's got uh, black all around it because the lens isn't able to actually capture the whole image. So I hope that makes sense. Just ask me questions if it doesn't. Um, all right, so let's talk about aperture, Val. Okay, aperture. <clears throat> all right, so uh, aperture, it's just a word that means, <laughs> do you know what the word means? Um, the amount of light that gets in. Oh, kind of. It's actually even more. A little simple. hole? Uh, yeah, a little hole. The opening. Hole. It's an opening. So your mouth is actually an aperture. Okay, <laughs> sure. 
It's an opening, and it uh, describes the size of the hole in a lens. So, um, and that's where the light passes through. So, basically, um, when you're talking about aperture, this size does matter, Val. So, with lenses, size matters. So, what you want to remember is, like, a better lens will have and a more expensive lens will have a wider aperture. So, uh, and that's the f-stop number. So that means that, what that means is it means that more light gets into the lens. So the faster the lens is, the more light it gets in, and it means that you can do more things um, in low light situations. So um, you wanna be looking at that maximum aperture when you're buying a lens. So. If you're buying a lens and the maximum, I think the maximum uh, aperture I have on any of my lenses is 1.2. That's my 85 millimeter 1.2 lens. And so that means I can shoot wide open at 1.2. If I photograph a portrait, it'll be sharp on the eyeball and then it starts to fall off at the eyelashes. That's how, that's how shallow the depth of field is at 1.2. But I can use this lens shooting wide open at um in, you know in events or you know practically dark rooms and and because I can shoot wide open I'm letting more light into the lens it's faster and I've got so many more options that I can do so if you want to shoot in low light situations you like doing events sports that you know require faster shutter speeds then that's something that you want to be looking for you want to be looking for a faster lens so the cheaper lenses uh, actually don't have those wider apertures. They're usually around uh, 3.5 to yeah. 5.6, and that's a bit limiting for when you're doing events and sports and things like that. So that's probably the first upgrade that people have when they're uh, buying that lens is they want to have a faster aperture now because people do love that depth of field the the shallower depth of field people love the shallower depth of field because it gives you that beautiful bokeh mm. uh, as well but also the speed so like a particularly mm. sport wildlife things like that you can actually uh you know capture uh, a lot more when you've got that wider aperture um now with the um things like um Entry level lenses, you know, those crop factor lenses or, you know, kit lenses that come with entry level um, cameras, what you're going to find is you get something that is a variable aperture. So it'll tell you that it's 3.5 is the widest aperture, but that's when you're shooting very wide. So say you've got a, a kit lens that's, um, I don't know, 18 to 300 millimeters. Often the kit lenses go very wide to very long. And it'll say 18 millimetres to 300. That's the range that this kit lens will shoot in. And it'll say uh, f3.5 is the widest aperture. All well and good when you're shooting at 18 millimetres. You're super wide. It will go to uh, three point, uh, f3.5. But as soon as you start to zoom in, something happens and the the aperture changes and you'll get something like if you start to if you want to shoot at 200 millimeters the aperture changes and the widest you can go is f5.6 and the reason for that comes to do with all those convex and concave bits of glass that are inside the lens they just can't make it cheaply enough to stay that wide because if it was 3.5 all the way through 
to 300 millimetres, the lens would have to be huge. And that's why when you see a 70 to 200 uh, full frame lens, that's why they're so fat and so heavy because you need all those bits of glass and the opening needs to be very, very large. Does that make sense? So that's something you need to be aware of when you've got the cheaper kit lenses. You're going to have a variable aperture. You're not going to be able to shoot 3.5 at the longest focal length. All right? So... Uh, something also that you want to be aware of is when you're focusing your lens, um, the, the distance and proximity to your subject is going to make a difference. So I've got a little diagram in the show notes that shows um, using my 85 millimeter lens, five meters from the model, uh, the, how the lens focuses. And But one thing that you want to remember is when a lens focus, and we cover this in great detail um, on uh, episodes on autofocus, if you want to check those out. But basically, what you the main thing you want to remember is when a lens is focusing, it focuses a third of the way in front and two thirds behind your subject. And that's across the board. But the, the area that's in focus decreases with uh, a, as you open up the f-stop. So the, the f-stop numbers get smaller. So if you've got um, – if you're shooting at f2.8 and you can follow along in the diagram in the show notes and you're five metres from the model, the area that where the subject is going to be in focus is a little bit in front and a little bit more behind. When you're shooting an f8, the area that's in focus, and I've highlighted that in pink, is going to be the the the, the depth of that area is going to be quite a little bit longer. And then when you're at f22, it's longer still. So and the it's re- always still a third in front of in, the subject yes. and two thirds behind, but the length of it depends on the on the aperture. Mm-hmm. So when you have a, 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 a narrower aperture, when you, you stopped all the way down to f22, the, uh, the length of the area that's in focus is going to be a lot deeper. And this, these things are important to know when you're doing, say, group shots yeah. or you want everything, it, it's important that everything's in focus. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful. You wouldn't be shooting at f2.8 if you had, um, say, rows. one person, rows and rows of people, say, 5D. Because when you photograph them, the people in the back row are probably going to be out of focus. And it's also good to remember that when you are shooting a group shot, knowing that the camera lens focuses a third in front, two thirds behind, that always to get the best and the, the, the most out of the sharpness of the lens and you're doing something like a group shot, focus a third of the way in. So if you had a group where there's a row of three people, focus like on the second row, not the first row, because you're wasting your focus space because yep. it's going to focus in front and focus behind. So if you and focus that a third is such of the a way gem in, of a tip. it really is. So if you focus a third of the way in, it's going to cover the, the row in front of the person and two rows behind. And if, if you get anything out of this entire pod, I know I dump a lot of information <laughs> It's overkill, but everyone's going to take something out of this, something different, all right? Yes. So, um, and so there's diagrams that, that show that. Now, I want to talk about third-party lenses quickly. So um, 
Canon, Nikon, Sony, all the manufacturers make their own lenses. And obviously, they're going to be better to use with the camera because all the little bits and the doohickeys all blend in and fit nicely together. The firmware all works and they talk to each other really well. But there's an issue. They're always really expensive. Then along come the third-party lens manufacturers like Sigma. Now, back in the day, Sigma was a dirty word. If you said you had a Sigma lens, and I had one, it was my first lens, it may as well have been a paper weight valve because it was useless. It was really – they weren't very good back in the day. But now, honestly, and I have um, a Sigma 35mm lens and I know the Sigma zoom lenses are um, – almost as good, almost as good as the first party, like the the actual brand lenses. So you can buy uh, Sigma and Tamron and Tonica and and a few other uh, lenses for every different camera manufacturer and they're pretty, pretty good. And the, the, the bonus is they're like, you know, half the price. So if you're on a budget and you want the fancy lens, then I would honestly recommend going with the third party route they 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 they're really good and worth investing in they weren't but they are now all right now i did mention image stabilization so some lenses uh, are the high end lenses have this thing called image stabilization and it is fantastic and where it's fantastic is if you're someone like me who has shaky fingers shaky hands and and or you're in a situation where you've got low light it's this really clever technology that uses um, in the actual lens itself, Val, like these sensors and motors that sort of um, uh, if you move one way, they, they move the, the lens the other way. And so but basically what they do is they counteract any little vibrations it's like a little gimbal system in the lens. I, I, I can't explain it any better than that. But what it does is let's say that uh, you're shooting outside, the light's starting to drop, and um, what you really need to, to get this shot uh, steady is you want to shoot at 1125th, but there isn't enough light. You don't want to crank up your ISO anymore. Uh, you, you can turn on your image stabilization and you can stop, you can drop your shutter speed down to a 30th of a second, two stops, and um, the image stabilization is going to help. Like if your hands are a bit shaky, it's going to counter that and give you a perfectly sharp image in low light. They're fantastic. I use it all the time. But the things you want to be aware of, so I've got image stabilization in a couple of lenses that I use, perfect for those shoots, is um, you want to be aware that it's only when you're handheld, when you're shooting on a tripod, turn it off because it actually uh, works the opposite way when it's on a tripod and it'll make your images um, unstable. So always turn it off when you're on tripod. And the other thing to be aware of is it does use more batteries. So beware, have your spare batteries if you're going to be shooting with image stabilization, but pretty, pretty cool uh, technology um, there. So uh, I think I did say what they all were in the different um, – but it's called IS in Canon, I think VR in Nikon, and there's a, a few other names for it. But just uh, look into it, worth investigating, definitely worth having in a lens. So 
We talked about the filter ring you've got that, that adds filters. Uh, so when you go to the camera store, the first thing they'll sell you is a UV filter to stick on the front of your lens. I'm not a big fan of them because I think it's a cheap, if you've invested all this money on good glass, having a cheap bit of glass in front of your lens actually deteriorates the quality. So I don't, I don't put any filters on the front of my lens for protection, um, I, but I do use some of the filters I think are really valuable as something like ND filters. But again, if and, and what it is is a neutral density. I have a variable neutral density. And so what that does is if I want to film with my lenses and I want to shoot with daylight and, um, and I want to make the daylight a lot uh, darker, it's too bright for me. I can use this variable density filter and I can sort of turn down the daylight. They're really cool, great for filming, or sometimes I use them for flash on camera. But what you've got to be aware of is when you're buying filters, the cheaper ones, again, it's like putting a cheap bit of glass in front of your very expensive lens and they have color casts and they're a bit shite. So if you're going to use, um, Filters, invest in good ones. That's another thing. Buy once, buy well. If you look after them, it's something that you can keep forever. Um, and then the lens hood is something that that is better protection for your lens than anything else. So, like, I always use a lens hood that protects against flare. So that's that little bit of plastic that you get in the kit when you buy the lens. Put it on the camera and keep it on the lens because if you're walking past, you've got the camera uh, across your body and you walk past uh, the corner of a table, it's going to hit the actual lens hood and not crack the front of the glass. So they're very important. And uh, just a little tip um, – if you lose them, they're actually really expensive to buy the camera model body of them. But if you buy the knockoffs, they're like about four bucks. So if you order them, just order three. And then you can, if you're like me and you keep um, losing them, then, um, you know, you'll, you'll always have a stock. And just finally, Val, mm -hmm. um, the, a couple of lenses that are, are worth uh, investigating. So basically you've got like, um, I like – for for um, landscapes, uh, something like a 16 millimeter lens, uh, fantastic. You get uh, everything like nicely, super sharp. And what it does, a 16 mil super super wide lens, is it uh, exaggerates the size of things that are very close and makes everything um, far away seem even further away. So I think the 16 millimeter lens is perfect for uh, anyone that's on Tinder and they're doing pee pee pics because you make everything look a lot bigger. So it's the choice. So if you want to do that, go with a 16-millimetre lens. That's how I test if everyone's listening because when I'm bombarding you with information. But if I was doing that, that's what I would do. I would bust out the 16-millimetre lens and your schlong would look huge. So the 35-millimetre lens um, gives you something that is fantastic for street photography. So it's basically what your cell phone captures i love this focal length and uh i think it's like if you're learning photography then get that to get that one lens get a prime a lot cheaper and then just practice using your feet to fill the frame walking up to subjects um and uh i think it's a, a fantastic lens 50 millimeter lens val this is the one that when you go and get your passport photo taken this is the one that jan in the post office uses that's the most 
that's how the world sees you and that's why we right. all react if we go, is that what I look like? Because yeah. what we've got at the moment is we've got um, we've all got um, body dysmorphia caused by the yeah. iPhone lens. The yes. iPhone lens, because it's super wide and people are bringing it up close to their face, the distortion, what happens is it's making everyone's faces look a lot narrower. And now I see that, you know, kids that have grown up looking at themselves at their selfies, taken on the phone, I know that if I bust out a long lens and take a portrait of anyone under 30, they hate it. They go, I look fat. <laughs> Because they're used to seeing what they look like on the uh, the wide angle lens, so there is the uh, the smartphone distortion factor has come in. So it's something that you want to be aware of. But if you want to make someone look honestly as true to they what they look like as possible, it's that fifty mil millimeter uh, focal length. Um, so, and again, I've talked about the 85 is fantastic, but it will distort the face a little bit, uh, but it is a fantastic uh, medium lens for portraits. And then you know uh, how much I love that uh, 70 to 200 because everything uh, brings everything closer, uh, definitely worth having. If I could buy one lens to start with, Val, the first lens, 35 millimeter um, lens, then I would add to the kit a t something like a 24 to 105, which perfect for walking around travel uh, events. And then I would get something like a 70 to 200. And then if you had some more cash to splash, something like uh, an 85 millimeter, 1.4, 1.8 lens, something a bit faster. Uh, so for street photos, I use my 35 or the 24 to 105 for advertising constantly I'm on the 70 to 200 and when I'm shooting landscape uh, 16 to 16 millimeter and events 24 to 105 uh, or and an 85 and a 70 to 200 so there you go lots of information big Ooh. brain dump there um, a university degree <laughs> in camera lenses and other useful tips there you go <laughs> <laughs> all right so that was a lot to take in so you might even want to listen to this episode again but uh there's a great diagram that gina has included in the show notes over at ginamilitia.com which illustrates what she was talking about about um when you have the different apertures and um the area of focus um, and it's really easy to understand if you have a look at this diagram uh, but yeah hopefully you've got some good ideas on what you need to do in terms of your next camera lens purchase and also what you need to do and which lens you need to buy if you want to do certain things which Gina has also suggested um, so Gina what are you doing in the coming week <laughs> Like, like I can't leave the house. Not a lot. <laughs> More of the same, Val. Just enjoying myself. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. What about you? All right. Um, well, I will be continuing in my happy place watching Cobra Kai on Netflix because I love this show so mm -hmm. much. Um, yeah, and I look forward to chatting to you again. Anyway, where do we find you online, Gina? 
You can find me at GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then join me in the gold community. You can find it at GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 